You're listening to the American Home Contractors Podcast. This episode was originally edited for YouTube and may include moments or references that make better sense with a video component. You can find this episode under the same title on the American Home Contractors YouTube page. Now, on to the show. Do you want to talk about Powerwall real quick? Let's do it. So that's another commonly uh, asked question, how Powerwall interfaces with solar roof and wanting to understand the benefits. So Tesla's solar roof is a great product in itself. You know, just with the roof by itself, it looks beautiful. It produces clean electricity and it'll provide power to the home. But the real magic and the real big benefit of Tesla solar roof is when you couple it with a power wall, you know, home energy storage battery, that completely changes the product and the value proposition. It allows you to go off grid. It allows you to not only produce clean electricity, but it allows you to store clean electricity and discharge it for later use. It allows you to arbitrage the utility rates. So if you're under time-based controls, like, you know, your utility company charges a variable rate. So they charge you more during peak hours. You're able to produce clean electricity, store it, and then discharge it during those peak rates. So if you need electricity above and beyond what you're producing, you can pull from the battery instead of the utility company. So you can, again, arbitrage that utility rate. And then also utility companies are, are moving away from net metering at retail pricing to wholesale pricing. So, you know, the writing's on the wall. You know, people are going to want a battery so that they don't consume electricity from the utility company at retail and pay for it at retail price and then net meter any excess to the utility company and only get paid at wholesale pricing. You know, the consumer is kind of kind of losing out on that deal. So if you if you can have a battery for that energy that's being produced from your solar system, you reduce the net metering and you don't lose out on selling back that electricity at a discount, essentially. Could you touch on net metering and just briefly explain what net metering is and how that's beneficial to the homeowner? So net metering is important, and it's a good idea, even if you want to be fully off-grid, it's a good idea to be connected to the grid. In a lot of cases, the tax incentives and you know the rebates and all that stuff require you to be connected to the utility grid. So if you're attached to the utility grid and you're producing more electricity than you're consuming, the electricity needs to go somewhere. So let's just say you don't have a battery and you're producing uh, two kilowatt hours and you're using one kilowatt hour in the home, that additional one kilowatt hour that's being produced is going to go back to the utility company. And that's called net metering. You can consume electricity from the utility grid and you can also produce and send electricity back to the utility grid that you're not using. If you have a battery, then that excess production, that extra one kilowatt hour is going to go straight into the battery for you to use at a later time. You know, usually later in the day when the sun's going down and you still need to use electricity, you're obviously not producing anything when the sun's down and it's in the evening. So you're either going to be pulling from the utility grid or you're going to be pulling from a battery or maybe both, depending on how much you need. And same thing, once the battery is filled up, that will then begin net metering and you will just begin to offload back to the grid, correct? Correct. If your batteries are full, then the electricity, again, needs to go somewhere. So you will begin net metering as well. 
how is that being measured on a monetary basis? Like, you know, is it every watt, every kilowatt? How is the electric company measuring your production and your kickback to the grid? And how are you getting reimbursed? So every utility company is different, but as long as your state and your utility company accepts net metering, typically what will happen is you'll get credited for the electricity that you send back to the grid compared to the electricity that you're consuming from the grid. So you still typically have a charge to be connected to the grid. You know, a lot of people will say you'll delete out your electricity bill. Well, yeah, if you're producing enough, you know, compared to your consumption, you might have you know, zero electricity bill, quote unquote, but you're still going to have a bill come in the mail because you're attached to the grid, right? Just being attached to the grid typically has a fee associated with it. You know, with the whole thing with the utility company sending you a check, typically, again, they're in the form of credits. And most people aren't 100%, 150%, 200% offset. So most people still do have a little bit of an electricity bill from whatever they're consuming from the grid. Right, because you are going to consume from the grid uh, something in the evening, typically, unless you have such a large system size, solar system size, and enough batteries to produce and store, and you know discharge, and you know you're not even touching the grid, so to speak. But most people are still pulling from the grid in the evening, or if it's a situation where you have a few days that are really cloudy, like today it's cloudy and it's snowing a little bit we're pulling from the grid. You know, we're not producing a lot of clean electricity, unfortunately, just because of the weather conditions outside. So we're pulling from the grid. That's why it is advantageous to be connected to the utility grid, even if you have a solar and battery system. Where is the best place to put your power wall and where should they not be going? It depends on where you live and what type of weather conditions exist in the climate. If you're in California and the weather's pretty stable and consistent, you know, temperature wise, a lot of people put their batteries outside. But if you're in Maryland, we get some pretty cold weather and it's like any other battery. Batteries don't perform as well when it's cold. You know, the electric vehicles, the batteries in the winter, your car does not go as far if it's 20 degrees outside compared to 70 degrees outside. So you wanna be mindful of where you live and what the typical weather and temperature is outside. If you're in the Northern climates, then you wanna have your batteries inside. You can't be in a living space. Uh, ideally, as close to the electrical panels as possible so that all the electrical equipment is together. We do have some people that put the Powerwall batteries in their garages, which is cool. Looks good, especially when you hide the conduit behind the walls and, you know, you do some drywall and paint work. Those batteries look beautiful. But most people put their Powerwall batteries in a storage room that's next to their main electrical panel. Electrical equipment is together. So it really just depends. There's a few options of where you can place the electrical equipment, but it is based on space constraints. And some of it is based on customer preference, although I would say it more leans towards space constraints because it's difficult to install batteries in the garage if the garage is on the total opposite side of the utility panel, the electrical panel. You know, that's one of the things that we, we have to be mindful of when we're pricing out a system and trying to design a system and meet the expectations of the homeowner is where are we gonna put all of this electrical equipment? 
You know, when you get a solar system and you get batteries, I mean, you're your own utility company, essentially. So when you look on the outside of a house that has solar, it looks like a mini utility company set up on the outside of that house, right? So you got to figure out where all that stuff's going to go. So you can install Powerwall outside of the home, but it is more advantageous to do that in a warmer or just more neutral climate. What about flooding? In Maryland, we have a lot of waterways, a lot of water systems. What happens if your garage floods and your power wall is partially underwater? Well, if your garage floods, that would be pretty crazy. Um, if your basement floods yeah. and your power wall is partially underwater. I mean, you could be in a floodplain. You could be next to a river or something like that. So it's totally feasible. But yes, more, more applicable in our area would be basement flooding. So yeah, a lot of times the power walls are in somebody's basement. They're in my basement. So we do have a sump pump, but some pump stops working for whatever reason and the basement keeps taking in water, yeah, those power walls are going to be submerged in water. But the power walls can withstand that. There was a situation in Florida where I believe Kelly Roofing showed it on Twitter. They, they posted a situation where the homeowner had severe flooding from the hurricane that came through and the power walls were completely submerged in water. But after the storm subsided, the electricity from the roof was produced. The power walls still ended up functioning fine wow. after that event. Yep, wow. there's pictures online showing that these power wall batteries are amazing. How do I know how many power walls I should be installing for my roof size? Is there a tried and true, oh, you have this many active tiles on your roof, therefore you need this many power walls? Or is it kind of up to me how many batteries I put in my home? Determining the amount of power walls that you need is a little bit of preference and budget, but it also comes down to a full home battery backup or partial home battery backup. I'd like to err on the side of more is better in this situation. The more batteries you can afford, the more batteries you want to get, you know, depending obviously on your system size, you don't want to have you know, maybe too many batteries based on your system size, but if you're going to do one battery, you're not going to be able to back up the entire house. It'll be a sub panel and it'll be the essential loads, maybe a refrigerator, some pump, maybe a few outlets, stuff like that. If you want to back up an entire panel, you're going to need at least two Powerwall batteries, if not three. If you're in doubt of should I get eh, three or two, I would definitely recommend getting three if you're on the fence. You know, when in doubt, go for the extra Powerwall battery. You're not going to regret it. You probably will regret not getting it down the road if you suffer an outage or a storm comes through and knocks out the grid for a whole week or two. Then you're going to be 100% dependent on your own production and storage and discharging at that point. Can you add more power walls retroactively after the project is completed? Say after the first year, I realize, oh, I might want two more. Am I able to add those after the fact? Yes. I know from experience, I started with one battery, then I went up to three batteries, and then I went up to five batteries, just measuring the data over the course of a couple years. And I realized, hey, you know, even if I'm not producing enough to justify maybe an extra battery in most cases, in a storm event, when your power walls go into storm watch mode, they actually charge from the grid. And you want to have as much energy stored in those batteries as possible because if that storm that's coming through, if it knocks out the grid and you're without power from the utility company, you will have as much power as you could afford 
in those batteries to live through that storm, right? Until the sun comes out eventually and continues that sustainable cycle, you're going to want as much energy stored up as possible. So that's why, again, if you're on the fence of four versus five, if you can afford it, I always say go for the five. Now, it may become complicated depending on how many electrical panels you have. If you have two panels and you want to set up a full backup, maybe you have two on one panel and three on the other, you know, you may want to determine how you want those breakers to be in those panels. So if you have one power wall for one electrical panel, you need to make sure that your breakers aren't more than 30 amps because one battery can't back up anything more than 30 amps. So you're limited. And that's why I say if you have one battery, typically it's for the essentials. So you, typically you would have a sub panel if you just have one battery. Or in a situation where you have two electrical panels, if you have three batteries, maybe you'll have two batteries tied to one electrical panel and you got to switch over the breakers that are greater than 30 amps over to that panel that's being backed up by two power walls. And then everything under 30 amps, you know, your 15 amps, 10 amps, 20 amps, those are going to go into the panel that's being backed up by one power wall, you know, lab labeled the essentials. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it gets a little complicated when you discuss electrical loads and the panels and how many batteries you need. Again, ideally, if you can afford it, at least two or three per panel would be great because then you know the full panel is going to be backed up. And again, if you're on the fence of whether you want four versus five versus six, if you're in that situation, I always recommend going up a little bit because during those storm watch events, you'll be charging the batteries from the grid and you want as much energy stored as possible so that you can weather through that storm, so to speak, and you have access to tap into that electricity, especially if that storm lasts a day or two. Is there an easy way to find a cost estimate for installing Tesla solar roof on my house? Yes, the easiest way to find out what a Tesla solar roof will cost is going through the cost calculator at AmericanHomeContractors.com. You will actually get a price, which is within, I would say, 20% accuracy. We're making a lot of assumptions with that information that you're putting into the system, but it'll get you pretty close. And we always like to start with the price because we want to make sure people have the budget for something like this. It is a large project. It is expensive, but it's an investment. It's not a, hey, you know, we're doing a simple roof repair or we're doing a very basic roof that you know, we want to last for 10 or 15 years. Like this is a lifetime product. This is a very detailed, complicated project. It's got roofing. It's got solar, you know. It, you got to really do a lot of research and it really starts with the price and just making sure you have the budget for it. You've been listening to the American Home Contractors podcast. You can find us across the web on YouTube, X, TikTok, and Instagram at AHCDMV. If you have an upcoming job or have any further questions about this or another product or service we offer, please contact us at AmericanHomeContractors.com. Thanks. We'll see you in the next one.